Welcome to the Federated Here and Now podcast, where we discuss the key issues, challenges and trends shaping the investment landscape. I'm Ethan Devitt, Head of Investment, Ireland, at Hermes Fund Management Ireland Limited, a federated company. I'm joined by Hamish Galpin and Mitch Resnick, members of our investment team. This podcast is about UN's Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, and how we may weave them into investing. First, let's talk a little bit about terminology. Environmental, social, and governance investing represents an evolution from investing according to Socially Responsible Investment, or SRI, guidelines. Currently, $22.9 trillion is invested in ESG strategies globally, and growth is robust at approximately a trillion dollars per year expected to flow into such strategies, according to the World Economic Forum. As more and more investors seek to incorporate ESG considerations into their investment processes, SDGs have proven to be useful signposts along the way. As signposts, they enable investors to measure more specific ESG outcomes. So what exactly are the SDGs? The SDGs are a collection of 17 global goals put forward by the United Nations and approved by 193 countries in September 2015. They are a universal set of goals, targets and indicators for global development. They're also known as global goals. As such, they are designed to address the global challenges we face and they've been called a blueprint for changing the world. How? by ending global poverty, safeguarding the planet, and aiming for prosperity for all, all by 2030. So what exactly do these goals entail? There are 17 goals, all designed to be interconnected and to leave no one behind. Within those goals, there are 169 targets and 230 indicators. As such, these goals aim high and wide and can seem to be all-encompassing and even overwhelming. They include goals such as, number one, no poverty, number two, zero hunger, down to number four, quality education, number nine, industry innovation and infrastructure, number 10, reduced inequalities, 13, climate action, 15, life and land, 17, partnership for those goals. A question might be, how do we translate these goals into action, particularly in an investment context? Let me give you an example. All of the goals here are laudable objectives, but some speak to us perhaps more than others, almost in a visceral way. For example, goal 14 is a protection of life below water, or more expansively, conserve and sustainably use the oceans, seas and marine resources for sustainable development. I have always been a huge water sports fan. As a child, I spent hours on end swimming and jumping through waves in the frigid Irish Sea. Now I live by the sea in Dublin. Every visit to the beach, I now spend my time picking up plastic from the beach, and when I'm with my children, we even turn this into a game. Research by Hermes has found that 8 million tons of plastic end up in the oceans every year. According to some estimates, there will be more plastic in the ocean by weight than fish by 2050. More plastic than fish. And by 2050, an estimated 99% of seabirds will have ingested plastic. Plastic causes $8 billion in damage to marine ecosystems each year, and plastic pollution costs the lives of 100,000 marine mammals per year. It is a veritable plastic tsunami. So how can we address this with companies, the problem of plastic waste on our beaches and in our oceans? We can engage with them 
to try to get them to tackle packaging waste. Did you know, for example, that the bottle cap is among the five most found littered item on beaches? And how can engagement help? It can encourage resource efficiency and circularity at multiple points along the value chain. It can encourage companies to tackle the issue of packaging waste, make appropriate investments in research and development and product development. And this can then help us address other goals. As we mentioned, the beauty of these SDGs is that they are designed to be interconnected. Another goal could be goal 12, which is responsible consumption and production. Tackling package waste goes beyond alleviating marine pollution. There are 600 billion plastic cups distributed worldwide every year. In the UK, only one in four of these cups are recycled. Let's move on now to speak with the two practitioners here who have given a lot of thought as to how to align investment processes with the SDGs. Mitch, thank you for being here with us. Of course, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be involved in SDGs and thinking about how we can weave them into the investment process? Sure. So um, it, it's principally, you know, there are multiple reasons, and I think some of them you've touched upon, which is that more and more people are feeling the effects of climate change and societal degradation on, degradation on a personal basis. So as a result of that, um, you know, this isn't just these aren't just headlines or articles in National Geographic. This is this is real stuff. And so investors are looking for ways to attach their money to to societal outcomes, outcomes that benefit uh, benefit in the environment. So sustainable outcomes in in their investments. In, in terms of the SDGs themselves, what what I like about them um, is that they provide an an elegant way, uh, an elegant framework to reference all of these these concerns and issues that that. That you've talked about, um, they, it's a way to create norms around all these concepts—a lingua franca, if you will—so that there's a, a simple way to talk about these with companies and, and investors. And and finally, as per guidance from the, the UN, the amount of financing and capital that's required to solve these problems is so profound that public capital or multilateral institutional capital, say from the World Bank or the IMF, et cetera, is not sufficient. That, that, that to solve these problems, we need to partner with private capital, and that includes equity and debt investors. And so if you wrap up all three of those and you combine that with the fact that we can do this whilst also creating attractive investment products, then it seems like a natural thing to fold the SDGs as a, as a, as a thematic into investment products. And why do you think they're emerging as a theme? Is this coming from investor demand? Do you think it is a, an area that can no longer be ignored as an, uh, in the area of investment? Well, um, I, I think, you know, the, the urgency with which in particular we need to uh, resolve the issues with the climate change is, is acute and, and many can see that. And so as a result of that, yes, we're getting a lot of reverse inquiry, which is to say investment uh, requests from from outside investors and how our investments are seeking to contribute to the resolution or the or the slowing down of of, of these problems. Thanks. Um, so Hamish, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to think about investing with a, an SDG aligned way? Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, I've been a bottom up stock picker for uh, for a good number of years at Hermes. And actually, the, the concept of using the SDGs is all about uh, 
it's all about long-term shareholder value creation for me, and it's an extra angle from which to think about businesses. And it makes a lot of sense uh, right now because from from my experience, the sustainability is something that's gone from being something that companies ought to consider to something that they really need to consider. And it's really a boardroom issue nowadays. You know, too many companies it's uh, dealt with in the legal department, and it's really something that's been elevated to board level because they're getting a lot of pressure from shareholders about their, what they're doing about uh, environment and sustainability. Uh, they've got to attract the next generation of employees into the business. And uh, these graduates or younger people just care far more about uh, the environment and social matters than uh, the current generation does that's running these businesses. And also there's a lot more pr- uh, pressure on companies these days to ensure their, uh, the adequacy of their supply chain and really to uh, for them to think about reputational risk and their social license to operate. So the, uh, the sustainable development goals are just a perfect mechanism by which to engage with companies on these matters. So engagement is key to have an equity strategy that is SDG aligned. What exactly does that engagement look like? What are you engaging with companies on with respect to SDGs? Maybe we can think of a concrete example of what an SDG that in particular you have um, thought about um, in your engagement with, uh, with, with the company? Well, actually, with uh, the great thing about uh, the SDGs is they're, they're so broad in scope. So there's, uh, you know, every, every company has, uh, has employees, every company uses energy in one form or another, uh, every company even has supply chain to, to some extent, some deeper than others. So really there's, there's any number of things with which we can engage companies on. Uh, and what we're doing is taking some of the, the existing uh, the names that we know well and working out which ones uh, have the greatest impact potential, shall we say, and will they will engage with companies on on those uh, those issues. So we, we haven't written, in fact, written to all of our companies on uh, on SDG eight, which is the Decent Employment Initiative, for instance. And the reason I like that particular SDG is the fact that it, uh, it reaches out to a lot of different aspects of. Uh, of the SDGs, not just the decent employment one, but it fits in with uh, gender equality as well, because clearly a pay gap is a, between uh, male and female employees doing the same jobs has come up as an issue in a number of different industries. Uh, we can think about quality of education as well, bringing on uh, on people from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds into the labour force, giving them training. Uh, clearly, sort of good employment leads back into uh, into health and well-being as well, and into uh, into reduction of uh, inequalities and. Uh, Improving uh, lower paid uh, lower paid outcomes through minimum wages, etc. So we actually have a very broad scope of things with which to engage companies on. I think this is one of the beauties of this is that one engagement can actually touch so many different of those goals. It really is that they are fully they are interconnected, which allows us to hit a number of um, of objectives at once. Uh, Mitch, on the the credit side, how can a credit strategy be aligned with SDGs? Well, you know everything that. Hamish has just mentioned is um, as important to credit investors as equity investors. And effectively, what what Hamish is talking about, what we're talking about here in general, is capital structure agnostic. All these items that we're discussing here and that Hamish uh, just mentioned specifically are self-reinforcing for the financial strength of the company itself. And that benefits both shareholders and creditors. We are not talking about issues that in some way or another may show some favorability toward one share class or one stakeholder versus another. These issues are reflect, you know, if a company is addressing these issues, they are thinking about the long-term sustainability of the company itself, as well as the sustainability of the environment and the society that is is around them. And, and over time, 
if, if there is significant degradation, can have an impact on the company's ability itself to generate cash flows. Cash flows are, of course, how we value credit and how we value equity. And just getting back to one of the challenges maybe of having an SDG-aligned approach, is it sometimes the case, Hamish, that there's a, a very tenuous link between any engagement you might do and any so-called positive impact later down the line? Is it easy to, to always draw a connection? Well, it's uh, <clears throat> it was a point I was going to make as, as Mitch was talking there, that it's really, to, to my mind, to, to finish off what we're talking about just a second ago, it's not so much about the different points in the capital structure, it's more about terms and what about terms? So actually, to be able to achieve engagement with companies, you have to have a longer-term investment horizon. And it's only through that, I can I can think of some companies that have done nothing on sustainability. For instance, it takes going to take several years for us to, uh, to uh, agree a sustainability program and for a company to execute it. So it's, uh, if you take some of the US companies that have done nothing on sustainability, if they have to uh, have a certain amount of capex up front to, uh, to improve, I don't know, emissions or something like that, then that's going to take a while to plan and execute. And it's going to take a while for us to actually see some, some outcomes from that. Uh, but actually, the, some of these initiatives really are worth waiting for because if we can, for instance, reduce pay gaps in, in the nursing sector, for instance, or, uh, or improve, uh, improve the emissions that companies are... Uh, Companies put out, and actually, these are very these are very significant uh, outcomes, and we will be able to actually get tangible data from companies to actually demonstrate an outcome. So it's uh, the point is we will get there, but it's going to take some time, and that's why the term structure is very important because it's uh, you know you have to be a long term investor, and actually, from that suits me as a long term shareholder in the business, and equally from from the bonds perspective, even if you even you have relatively shorter term debt. Each time a company comes back to the market, it's a chance to put pressure on that company to to improve its uh, to improve its uh, ESG credentials. That, that, that's right, Hamish, and, and, and to your your point exactly, which is that um, even if it's short term debt, companies are needing to refinance their capital structure frequently, which is effectively you know um, an annual IPO, which is a point of contact and another link to the equity approach, which is through engagement, which is positive dialogue. To encourage companies to 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 affect change, and that that is a critical part um, of of this is having that dialogue with the company, a long term dialogue. In many cases, companies are very new to these concepts and these ideas, and uh, and need to be brought along and educated and see that in fact there is both a groundswell from investors, but also encouragement from regulatory bodies and through stewardship uh, codes for companies to move in this direction. And again, that brings you back to the SDGs, which form a great frame of reference to have these discussions and to report on, on progress. And actually, the, the great, uh, one of the great opportunities for us is that uh, actually, from, from our experience of talking to companies about this, a, a lot of very good things are already going on on the ground. It's not exactly as if environmental concerns just popped up when the SDGs came along. Actually, companies have been working for years towards reducing reducing emissions or improving yields in their factories, that sort of thing. The issue is that it hasn't really been, all this information hasn't really been coordinated centrally through sustainability functions, shall we say, within a business. So a lot of good stuff is going on on the ground, but it just hasn't been brought together centrally or even managed in a strategic manner. So actually, companies are now a lot of companies are now missing out on the opportunity for for a better reputation within the industry because they can really sort of promote more than what they're doing, and this is what Mitch was saying about education and sort of through better disclosure, then really they can uh, 
there's a there's a very simple shareholder value creation opportunity just through better disclosure and you know, that ultimately leads to better better ratings of companies. And do you think it's fair to say that really investors have no choice between be involved in this what is really essentially a four-way process of cooperation and communication between the companies, investors, governments and NGOs? There, there is a cost, obviously, a huge cost with this some of this ambitious reach of the SDGs, estimated at seven trillion a year. How will we get there without investor involvement? Well, it depends on whether you think you think of yourself as an owner of the business or a shareholder of a financial instrument related to uh, the success of a business. So, people who are short termists will not really care about it, frankly. Uh, but they'll probably have capital taken off them in the course of time because, uh, as you say, everybody's having to contribute towards this. Companies are having to do it. Uh, company or companies want to do it even. And actually, the providers of capital, be it uh, pension funds or retail investors or, or you and I, you know, do want to invest our money responsibly. Uh, and that will channel capital towards people that think in that direction and companies that think in that direction. So that's very much, it's, uh, as some people like to say, it's a train that's left the station and, and isn't stopping. Right. And, it, and the one um, the one amendment I would make to that comment is that it's not just about shareholders, it's about stakeholder. And, you know, being from, you know, coming from the, the fixed income and credit perspective, whilst not owners, long-term financial stakeholder and and the the path of the, the, the securities will track the trajectory of the path of the company as well. So uh, it's all very important to, to creditors as well. Um, just in terms of this long-term time horizon, is there a point at which, say Mitch, um, when it comes to engaging with companies, one can run out of patience, one can call time if the engagement has been taking place for a long amount of time and changes are simply not occurring? Right. So yes, we are... This is the critical point of engagement. It is to assess the earnestness with which a company seeks to create change. It is a test of credibility. But it's also true that sometimes matters, for various reasons, are out of hands of management, where financial profile degradates. There's degradation in financial profile for some reason, that that's whether it's exogenous or poor, poor management from other areas as well. And that becomes a factor because some of this does require long-term thinking and long-term investment. Um, and so that there are there there are points in when you, you can say, well, this doesn't look like it's it's, it's happening anymore. But we we hope to to discover that over a long term relationship with the company, and we certainly don't expect significant progress or meaningful progress over a short period of time within say months. These are evolutions that can take place over many months and years and can be confirmed by measurement and discussion with the company. But if a company is on the right track, you have absolutely every reason to back that company, assuming that from an investment point of view, it makes sense. Uh, there, there is an aspect about walking the walk and talking the talk to this. So it's, uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of time you'll sit in front of company management teams and say, yes, 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 we'll do something about this, where we recognize it's something important we have to do. But actually, it's it's like walking through a tree court. You know, it's going to be... Uh, we have we have had the impression with a number of companies that it's going to take a very long time. So, so from that perspective, it's uh, it's quite possible that uh, you know we'll have to sell that sort of company if we're just if we're just just not making progress. So, you know, in, interestingly, if you think about it, uh, Japan is an interesting example of this, where you have companies that are, you know, when you read the annual reports, the whole social ethos for business is very important, and actually the uh, the SDGs have been uh, broadly talked about in Japan. But actually, that's all very much uh, 
that's all well and good. You know, they, they, they talk about it, but actually how many hard objectives are there to actually achieve goals? You know, they're not so strong in that. So that's that's really our role is to bring uh, to bring hard targets and timeframes and actually uh, a clear number of objectives. Now, actually, from, from our perspective, we want to do things that make sense for the business as well as have a social outcome. So we're not going to pursue objectives that are... Uh, Aren't really that particularly material to the company, or which aren't going to have a big impact. You know, we want to make, we want to agree objectives with companies that make sense to the business, which is mean they're more likely to uh, engage with us and enact them, but actually generate a social return as well. And that's that's really the clear the, the clearest objective of this engagement strategy. That seems like a very laser focused and efficient type of engagement strategy. I suppose that was one of the challenges that you engage and you don't get the results. Um, another key challenge of this area might be where you engage, you may get results, the company may be creating an impact, but it may ultimately not be financially successful. What do you do then? There is a perception perhaps that investors would have to sacrifice financial return in order to generate a social return. What's your perspective on that? Well, there's two things there. Firstly, firstly, from the from the investment perspective, if an investment is wor- is not working out from a from a financial perspective. Then, then this is an equity fund uh, or an equity strategy, and it will have to get sold. If it's if it's not if it's if it's perhaps down to short term issues, then we might well reduce the size of the holdings, but still maintain a holding and maintain an engagement program. But at any one point in time, we're assessing. Uh, and uh, the investment thesis and the engagement thesis, and have to adjust uh, adjust holdings accordingly. On the broader question of uh, sacrificing investment returns to get social returns, uh, my experience so far is that we actually we're actually getting better investment information from our engagement activities because we're getting a, a broader view on the business. Uh, we have an extra sort of metrics from which to assess a business from a from an investment perspective as well, and. Uh, talking about the sort of the long-term sustainability of the of the business model from from an economic perspective, and we're seeing more people within the business. So actually, I think we're getting greater colour on a business, and therefore, I think we have the opportunity to, to actually to outperform or do better than regular investment strategies, even with a with an SDG uh, perspective. That's right. I mean that, and that is the positive externality of uh, engagement. This collateral benefit of uh, that you have from having discussions with companies, and there's a positive feedback loop. They ask questions from from us, uh, where we have area of expertise, and can provide that to them, and demonstrates an earnestness that I referred to before. Um, but um, in, in, you know, from a credit point of view, very similar to Hamish. Look, these you know these types of products are investment products. We've got collinear objectives of delivering a specific set of returns, depending on the product, but also an objective to deliver returns to society. And both need to be met at a simple level, at a at a um, at a specific level. And uh, but these are not binary. It's it's not either completely delivering or not delivering from from a credit risk point of view or from an SDG point of view. So, you know, you assess and you have scores and you manage positions and holdings based on based on those uh, based on, on those assessments and scores. So th- there is a material difference in my mind between ESG investing and SDG investing. ESG investing for me historically has been about risk mitigation. We'll deal with a couple of companies in portfolios where they have ESG issues of one for another. It might be governance of uh, you know, chief executive and, and chairman separation, that sort of thing. Or it might be from they have overly high emissions compared with other companies within their industry. And there are particular spot ESG issues to deal with, and that's very much come from a risk mitigation perspective. And we're operating on a number of uh, holdings in, the, in a portfolio at any one time. 
from an SDG perspective, and this is this is what really sort of made it come alive for me when I sort of first started looking at the concept of running uh, this sort of strategy, was that I looked at all the SDGs and I realized that actually these are the sort of things that I'm com- asking companies about already because I'm concerned about their staff turnover. I'm concerned about uh, yields in factories and that sort of thing. So actually those are all parts of my assessment as to how, how well a business is run and actually you know how well they're going to perform in the long run. So actually the SDGs made me realize that there are you know, it's all about long-term shareholder value creation, and there's a there's a return aspect to it as well as a risk aspect. So ESG analysis really focuses on risks, whereas SDG is about risk and return, and improving the overall risk return characteristics of a stock. I, I would I would agree. I I think f- from my perspective, we we do need to delineate ESG integration from those types of products that have a more have an SDG theme along them. And and for me, very similar. ESG integration is a part of the mainstream investment process. So it's already going to be a part of what we're doing. And in that capacity, we are focused on assessing and pricing the probability, the timing, and the materiality of these ESG factors insofar as they affect a company's financial profile. Here, there is perhaps within the SDGs a less a lower focus on governance itself and more of a focus on what we would say would be the environmental and social aspects of, 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 of ES&G. But the engagement process and, and what, we're trying, what we would be trying to achieve here is to ha- see, uh, for companies to affect positive change in society and in the environment, which we believe over time will be self-reinforcing for the f- uh, financial strength of that company and therefore everyone is, is better off. We want the, these companies to create uh, additional benefits to society and the environment. Thank you, Mitch. Hamish, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Until next time, I'm Ethan Devitt, Head of Investment Ireland at Hermes. Thank you for listening to the Federated Here and Now podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hermes podcast. If you found it interesting and would like to listen to more podcasts by Hermes, please visit our website, hermes-investment.com and search for podcasts. These podcasts are for information purposes only, and the views, information, or opinions expressed therein are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hermes Investment Management and its employees. Performance should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. All the performance represented is historical. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results and investors may not recover the full amount invested.